Hosts Elle and Miriam are two black homeschooling moms embarking on a self-defining journey. Listen in on conversations that will encourage you to be your authentic self while uplifting your spirit and motivating your inherent potential. They're defining what culture is for their families and want you to do the same. Bring your children along too so they can meet the cleverly cultured kids. They're all for teaching the babies while they're young, adapting to the challenges of parenting, homeschooling, and being willing to learn the lessons that the children have to offer. It's all about uplifting one another and reclaiming your innate greatness. Welcome to another Cleverly Changing Podcast. I am Elle, and we are so happy that you are tuning in to another episode. Now, have you ever thought about world schooling? On the Cleverly Changing Podcast, we've had a couple episodes that mention world schooling, and both guests go about traveling and teaching their children in very different ways. Our first introduction to world schooling was episode 48, World Schooling with Jade Weatherington. Jade discussed teaching and traveling the world with her daughter. She is an educator and a single mother. Our next guest, who talked about using practical knowledge and traveling, was Corey. And that episode is Educating Your Child Abroad, Lesson 69. Corey's children are learning at a boarding school in Ghana. During today's show, we will talk about a completely different world schooling experience. We spoke to Sakile about world schooling curriculum while traveling with six children. This episode is brought to you by Sickle Cell Books. I'm Elle, the producer of the Cleverly Changing Podcast, but I'm also parenting a child with sickle cell disease, and I've published three books about sickle cell disease, a sickle cell coloring book for kids, the ultimate sickle cell activity book, and ABCs for sickle cell disease. If you want to learn more about the most common genetic disorder in the world, then head over to SickleCellBooks.com and purchase a book today. I highly recommend my book, The Ultimate Sickle Cell Activity Book. That book will teach anybody about sickle cell disease. Here's something to explore with your children this week. What is the highest mountain in Africa? Hmm, if you guessed Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania, then you are absolutely correct. The highest peak is called Yuhuru Peak, and it is 5,895 meters, which equates to about 19,340 feet. Today's African proverb is, a child who knows how to wash his hands dines with elders. And that proverb is from Ghana. 
now time for the word of the episode. Akwawa means welcome in Chui. Everybody, welcome to another cleverly changing podcast. I am super excited about our guest today because we are going to talk about world schooling, which is something that we all love. We know that our listeners love this topic. We've had different guests in the past talk about world schooling, and it has been a popular favorite. So today is going to be one of those wonderful shows where you're going to learn a lot. You're going to feel inspired and motivated. So definitely stay tuned. If you are listening to the Cleverly Changing podcast for the very first time, I am one of your hosts, Elle. I am a mom of twins. Yes, I have two children and only two children. And they are now 13. So I am a mom of teenagers and we homeschooled for seven years. And so this podcast is one of the ways that we're trying to give back to our community because homeschooling is in our grasp. It is something that we can do and we can do it well. And so on this podcast, we are encouraging families to homeschool, but also if you cannot homeschool because we know it is not for everybody, We want you to know that you still can supplement your child's education in amazing ways. And so that's what we talk about on the Cleverly Changing podcast. So Miriam, tell everybody about who you are. Hello, everybody. I am Miriam. I am the steward of four young people, uh, 14, eight, seven, and four. Don't ask me how old I am. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am a writer and editor. I'm also an urban farmer and a lover of all things natural. That's my jam. And I also enjoy giving to my children the things that they're going to need to grow up and be successful navigators of this world. Awesome. Awesome. Well, today's guest is none other than Sakile. Thank you so much for joining us. And tell us a little bit about who you are and your family. Absolutely. So I am a wife to an amazing husband and a world schooling mama of six beautiful children. And I'm all about everyone embracing their free, which means being able to live their dream life, not, you know, one day or someday, but today. And I truly believe that we can be and do and have anything and everything that we desire with the right mindsets, the right environment, the correct tools, and most importantly, a great coach, <laughs> I learned. So, you know, someone who has been where you are and currently has or is what you desire to have and be. So that's a little bit about me. Awesome, awesome. I am super excited. Now I have to be honest, I am personally very excited because you and I have a lot in common. 
um, when I was reading over your bio, it said that you've been um, a vegetarian or plant-based, um, you've had a plant-based diet for over 20 years. And for me, it's been over 20 years and um, I don't, you know, I didn't do it because it was a fad. And I think if you've been doing it for that long, it was something that kind of drew you to it and it's become a part of your lifestyle. Can you kind of speak to that just just very quickly about why you chose to have a plant-based diet? Yeah, so there's two reasons. Like, it's so funny. When I was seven, I decided that I wanted to be um, basically a vegetarian. <laughs> so um, up until age seven, I did not realize that my family was feeding me um, dead animals. <laughs> say so one day I was just thinking you know I didn't grow up on a farm I grew up in the city it always came in packages things like spam and you know bologna and stuff like that and one day I was eating chicken and I'm just like why do they call this chicken because I was just thinking you know like an orange fruit is the same thing as a color I remember in school there being like there t-h-e-r and there t-h-e-i-r and they are you know so it's just for me it just it didn't come together that I was eating animals. And so our family's like, it's a chicken, like the chicken that runs around. And I'm like, you're feeding me animals? <laughs> and they were like, yeah. And I'm like, what else are you feeding me? Are you feeding me like dogs and cats and like, and horses? And they're like, no, but some people eat horses. And, um, you know, some groups of people do eat cats and dogs, but no, we, we don't eat. It's mostly like pigs and, and, you know, cows and chickens. And I'm just like, do you feed me people? <laughs> so it was an interesting conversation. And they're like, no, that's called cannibalism. We're not cannibals. And so I remember after that having nightmares thinking that people would come into my bedroom and kidnap me <laughs> as a child. So it's interesting. So that's kind of where it started. Like, I was like, I'm not going to eat this anymore. My family's like, you eat that chicken yesterday. You're going to eat this chicken today. Um, so by the time, you know, I went on to eating it. But when I turned 18, I gave up chicken because I was kind of traumatized. But then I had fertility issues. And I read a wonderful book by Kuna Fua. Um, and within a year of being a vegan. So I had been a vegetarian for six months and then a year of being vegan on my vegan anniversary, which was January of um, 2020. No, January 2023 was my anniversary of being a vegan for a year. Um, that week, I found out I was pregnant with my first son who turned 18 in September. And um, so nine months later, so um, after that, you know, I realized like, oh, this is my miracle child. I thought it was going to be my only one because my doctors told me that I wouldn't be able to have any more children, you know, without, you know, IVF and hormone treatments. And so um, here we are, six children later. And so my next pregnancy when my son was nine months ended up being twins. So I went from infertile to super fertile. Quickly. Wow. That, that wow. is amazing. <laughs> I know it's pretty long. From but... no kids to six. Damn. <laughs> yes. I know at one point my husband's like, um, you want to go back to eating meat? Like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, 
So yeah, it was a blessing. And all my children have been um, vegetarian their whole life. So that's all they so is the whole family yes. or is so, trying to yes so my head like in our house we have a rule that there's only vegetables that are allowed in the house so my husband he is mostly vegetarian but he will go out and get meat like once a month you know um he says he needs it to build his blood but 90% of the time, 99% of the time, my husband's eating vegetarian and me and the children all eat 100% vegetarian. Yes, that's, that's really cool. And I can understand that sometimes, you know, he may want something while he's out. And it's funny because my husband grew up vegetarian most of his life. And um, he's a vegetarian now. And I think it's funny because I feel like he's more strict about the type of food that we purchase and he makes sure that we have uh, different vegetables that are delivered to the house and everything since I don't garden like <laughs> Miriam. <laughs> so it's, it's great. I think um, I think that that's beautiful to um, make a decision about what you want to eat and then allow yourself as you grow to have full autonomy with that decision. And you're passing that gift on to your children. And I think it's important for us to kind of explore and listen, because when you were a child, you made some observations and then you were like, well, this isn't something I want to be a part of my life. And so when you were given the opportunity, you were able to embrace that. So that goes with what you said about embracing your life. So this is great, yes. <laughs> full circle moment. Exactly. Embracing your free. So yeah. And that gave me the freedom to have the family I desired. So I really wanted 10, but I started a little bit later. But <laughs> with the six, I truly blessed to have. So yes, definitely. So your oldest is 18. Yes. What are the ages of your children? So I have 18 year old and then my twins will be 17 this month in April. So they're just a year and a half apart. And then um, I have a 14 year old and then I have um, a 10 year old and I have an eight year old. So yeah, it's a 10 year kind of window. For our That's the hormones arranging around there, huh? <laughs> yes, <laughs> a lot of hormones, but it's a lot of fun. We have some spectacular teenagers. Like I hear, I've heard so many horror stories about teenagers so I don't know if it's a matter of them homeschooling or their diet and just like their environment but they are like some of my favorite people ever like they are the coolest sweetest most mature responsible like teenagers I mean I have so many adults come up and they just want to have conversations with them and they're constantly giving compliments about how amazing they are and I'm like I, you know, I agree a thousand percent. They are amazing and they've made uh, parenting so easy. They made it super easy. But I think it's like we set the groundwork and foundation when they're really young and we're very particular mm -hmm. about who they associate with and what they're inputting into their mind, body and spirit. <laughs> and so I think that is one of the benefits about homeschooling. They get to be socialized in a way that fits our principles, our values. And so they are just, just amazing people. 
beautiful. That's wonderful. Have they been homeschooled their entire life, but even the 18 year old from um, elementary all the way through high school? So I like to say they've been homeschooled for life, but um, my oldest son, he was in school from kindergarten until third grade. But his kindergarten year, um, me and his sisters <laughs> and his younger brother, we would go to school and sit in the classroom every day with him. So it was a beautiful um, vegetarian school that was African-centered, very family-oriented. So everybody was mama and baba. And they allowed me to be in the classroom with him to make sure everything was good. And I like, you know, support it. And I would like sell my vegan. I used to have a vegan uh, bakery. And so I would provide vegan baked goods for the school. And it was amazing. And then I told the children, okay, mommy is going back to school. Daddy's going back to school. I'm going, you know, I went back to school for education so that I can be a better teacher for my children. I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, so I went back to school um, when he went into first grade. And then my daughters were um, starting kindergarten. And then um, by the time he was in the first week in third grade, um, the school, it was beautiful. Like. Like he was valedictorian. He was above the class when he was in kindergarten. He was taking um, classes with the second graders. <laughs> and by the time he was first, he was with the third graders and, you know, on and on. So he was really advanced. But the thing about it is the school, um, by the time he got to third grade, that's when the assessments took place. And so mm-hmm. they were just like, okay, everybody has to learn everything. We need to teach to this test. <laughs> and he was bored. He was reading. He was you know, it was just not a healthy environment. So we pulled him out and we're like, finished with school, you know, we're going back to full-time homeschooling. But at that time, my youngest one, so I like to say I've been homeschooling for 18 years because my youngest ones, I was still homeschooling. Like they they will come to school with me. Um, My husband um, would sit outside the classroom with the babies so that I can come out and nurse in between class. So my husband was like going to school with me, we worked oh. our schedules, but that was also what my first one. I was an undergrad when my first four. So he would bring my son to school every two hours so that I can nurse. Um, and we would uh, work our schedule. Like he would work, I would go to school when he wasn't working and he would work his schedule around my school so that we always were you know, with our children. So it's, it's been beautiful. <laughs> so that takes a lot of partnership and a lot of communication. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, wow. I mean, it sounds like a dream to us <laughs> to, to be able to do that and to be on one accord so much that he's bringing the child at the right time. You know, I think <laughs> to me, that's phenomenal that he was so in tune. He was aware enough to have that desire to do that as well. Really? Because and babies, you yeah. know how they are. We, we've all done it. It's a- <laughs> full-time job in and of itself. It is, and we breastfed all six of our children. So definitely a beautiful experience, very bonding. And I'm just like, the breast, you know, I don't know if it's breastfeeding, but I feel our children are super brilliant. I'm just like so amazed by them. So, (laughs) So I love it. Do you think that uh, you talked a little bit about your values and you talking about their brilliance? Do you think that your 
decision to homeschool has been just kind of made better because of your opportunities to world school them. Can you kind of go into how you moved from taking them out of that school setting because of the testing and deciding to not only homeschool, but to world school them? Absolutely. So it really began, I mean, it sounds a little morbid, but like our decision to world school really began with the death of a really um, close family member. So we had, or it was like a family friend, a friend of the family. And so, you know, he was doing everything right. He had a business, a beautiful family, a wife. Um, and he was like, when I retire, I'm going to buy my dream house. I'm going to retire my wife and we're going to travel the world. So he did it, you know, he and his wife retired that year. They bought their dream house on their very first trip. Um, he ended up having a pulmonary embolism and his body was shipped back in a casket. Um, and at that funeral right then and there, like I saw, like I have not cried at a funeral before or after his funeral, but I saw myself in him where it's like, I started, um, you know, I had these dreams since I was a child to travel and have these beautiful experiences. And I'm just like, well, when this happens, when I hit this milestone, when I retired or, or um, I've made this type of wealth, then I can live my dreams. And right then and there, I realized that, you know, um, everything doesn't have to be, you know, and like all your ducks don't have to be in a row, you know, time doesn't wait for any man that <laughs> keeps on ticking. Even if you're like, okay, wait, 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 I want to, you know, create this and this and this. So then I was like, okay, no more waiting for one day, someday. I'm going to live my dreams today. Um, unfortunately, a couple months later, you know, I end up having, um, getting really sick with, um, what was it? I ended up getting sick and my body ended up becoming septic. Um, and my doctors were surprised that I made it through. So it was just like two warnings. I'm like, okay, three strikes and you're out. Like I have these dreams, there is no more waiting. So then that's when I decided, you know, I wanna travel. I think this would be a beautiful experience for our family. And so we started. We started with, you know, we call them learncations or staycations in the city and then expanded out to the region and then throughout the country where we did our 50 state tour. And then 2020 is when we started our 100 country tour. But of course the COVID has slowed down a little bit, but we got it um, started. And so, um, yeah, it's been a beautiful experience. And our children, they have become so grounded because they have to see people from different cultures, um, you know, from the super wealthy to those who may not have all of the financial trappings, but are super happy and healthy and have beautiful family bonds. And so seeing the different array of financial situations and family situations and different cultures and languages um, have allowed my children just to be these really just grounded, wise, you know, open <laughs> people, you know, that are very um, compassionate, 
you know, we tend to go to places and we like to volunteer. Um, also, you know, like right now, we just got back from Belize yesterday. We're in Mexico right now. And um, like in Mexico, my younger two children, they, they have snacks, snacks and stuff. Um, candy shops. So they don't eat candy, but they were getting all kinds of candies from all the birthday parties that they would go to. Like they just got invited to another birthday party uh, yesterday. So the thing about children is they attract other children. So wherever we go, as soon as we go there, like when we went to Belize immediately, the children just embraced them. <laughs> and in Mexico, the first, you know, week children were knocking the door, can the children come out? So wherever we go, um, the children are embraced. And so they have this little business where they're selling um, candy that they got from the piñatas, the piñatas. <laughs> so they like sell it back to the children, which is brilliant. So their like savings are growing. So now they're like, okay, we want to get a vending machine. And then, you know, our daughters, they, they tutor English and our sons um, like build things and um, are helping the father with real estate. And so all of them are doing little businesses. Um, and I just love it. <laughs> so they see opportunities wherever they go. It's just amazing as we travel. They're like, oh, we can improve this, or this is how we can give back, or I like this about this area, or I don't like this. And, you know, and they're, you know, asked a really great question. I'm like, this is great. Let's research that. You know, let's find out more about this. So with a world schooling, learning tends to be very organic. And everything is a teachable lesson because everything that they're getting exposed to is new from the language to the environment, to the infrastructure, to how the government is run, how, you know, customs is different from one country to another. I mean, it's, it's like everything is learning, you know, the different types of foods that they eat, you know, we can tell, um, you know, the healthcare in different areas. Um, they love learning about the different currencies and the history. So yeah, it's, it's been a beautiful experience for our family, for sure. So you talk, well, it sounds like, oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, you talked a little bit about them earning money and it sounds like, you know, they're little entrepreneurs in the making. And do you think they got that from you and your husband? Oh, absolutely. Me and my husband are both entrepreneurs and a big part of their studies deals with business, investing. So they've been learning about, you know, different types of, you know, the difference between employee and self-employed and business and investing and the different uh, ways to make money and how money works and the history of money and, you know, um, wealth, what wealth looks like. And um, so they've been making money since they've been like the youngest ones since they're five, like building bikes, mowing lawns, taking up <laughs> groceries for their uh, neighbors. Like they had an internship when we were in Chicago working in a bike shop and um, they would build bikes, repair bikes, sell bikes, and they would get paid and get to keep the profit of whatever they sold the bike for. Um, they worked in um, community gardeners with master gardeners. So they would bring home uh, food every day for the family, which was amazing. So every day I'm like, fresh produce and so they know how to 
you know, um, plot a garden and, you know, if it needs to be started outside or if it needs to be started inside and breadworm composting and how to harvest and identify plants. And even we've gone like um, as far as going to wild areas and being able to harvest wild plants, you know, to eat. Um, so the children learn a variety <laughs> of skills and, um, and a lot of times they get, you know, compensated for it. Um, people will come to them all the time, like the neighbors would be like, can you bring your, our groceries upstairs? And they're like, sure. They're not asking, but the families would give them money for that. Or um, they had regular taking out garbage, <laughs> our sons, you know, or uh, changing, what else did they used to do? Cleaning cars, mowing lawns, doing all of that, so. Yeah, they are. They're always finding opportunities where they can create some source of income for themselves. Well, it sounds like it. you all are almost unschoolers, perhaps. Or do you use a actual, not necessarily curriculum, but do you have some sort of guiding, guiding light there in the educational route? So are you truly just whatever is really piquing their interest, whatever they're really getting into? Is that more your approach? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, we are, we consider ourselves like um, world schooling eclectic unschoolers. <laughs> so we use a variety of tools, you know, to cater to our children's needs. But when I went back to, you know, grad school for education, I like realized that child psychology was like really, really important. Understanding the psychology of a child, understanding their personality. So I created a lit assessments and curriculum report system that allows us and our families that we work with to discover, you know, what each of our children's learning styles are and what their identity persona, i.e. <laughs> personality is. And also we learn what the parents' teaching style is, the amount of time that they have to homeschool. And so um, it really, really assists in having a way to discover the best way to teach each one of our children and to really, again, cultivate the child's unique genius. So, you know, we have different approaches for each one of our children, again, based on their learning styles and personality but we don't necessarily have a set curriculum. You know, our children do do math and, you know, language arts as a general, but we do a lot of, um, a lot of books that deal with personal development, business development, entrepreneurship, mindset, critical thinking. We do a lot of history, world history. Um, so whatever place that we're traveling to or about to travel to, you know, we learn, you know, about their government, we learn about the history of the country, we learn about, you know, their um, GDP, you know, what they're importing, what are their natural resources, um, the different infrastructure of the, um, the country, you know, what um, the different cultures of the country, the different languages, their, their foods that they're known for, you know, different festivals and holidays that they celebrate. So um, there is a level of structure, 
but also it has to do a lot with what they love. So for instance, my son was interested in planes. So we actually got to meet some of the original Tuskegee Airmen um, in Gary, Indiana. So he went over there and heard them speak. And then afterwards, um, our children were able to go up and fly with pilots in these two-seater planes. And when they went up, you know, they were able to take the yoke and fly the airplanes. So they're able to have like unique experiences as they travel the world based on what they're interested in. Um, so I really, really love that. So they've had a lot of, you know, they're interested like, oh, how is glass made? Great question. Let's go and visit a glass maker. So we went out <laughs> and saw how glass is made, you know, and so, and people love children. So you just call around and people are always open to, you know, showing children what they do, you know, because you never know who's going to be the next you know, artist or great pilot or whatever it is. So there's so many different opportunities for world schoolers when it comes to being able to really experience the world, you know, the world being your classroom. There's like, the world is so large and it's like constantly teaching. So, yeah. <laughs> when you talked about your children going to a new place and people gravitating towards them because they're children, you said that your neighbors, so when you're traveling, are you staying in the community? Can you kind of speak a little bit about how you choose where to stay? Okay, so we travel <laughs> in a variety of different ways. So we've stayed in, you know, homes and we've stayed in um, tents and, and yurts and, and resorts and on yachts and um, trains and, uh, cruise ships. So we, you know, travel in a variety of ways. Um, but we do like to stay in the communities. Like for instance, like currently we're traveling around Mexico and we visited 15 um, states in Mexico. And so we do like to actually see the different areas and, um, you know, get to interact with different families. Sometimes, you know, in the resorts, there's a lot of different families that they get to interact with. So it depends. We were really open <laughs> to whatever, you know, is the best for us at that moment, you know, affordable or the best um, experience or um, the safest <laughs> location. So we look at a variety of different options when it comes to, you know, where we stay and how we travel. But we really like to get the full experience. So like in Ghana, we travel to all 10 regions. I really like to stay um, when we were doing our 50s, you know, uh, state tour. It took us four years to complete because it was, you know, staying in a different state for a month, <laughs> you know? So we really like to not just get in and get out. We like to really get in and kind of immerse ourselves and enjoy the culture, get to know the people. You know, so, and each culture is just like, you know, even like if you look at America, you know, the, the West Coast is different from the East Coast and the Midwest is different from the South, you know, and then there's like the Geechee <laughs> culture, like there's so many different cultures. So if you just go to one area of Ghana, you know, there's so many different tribes, there's so many different languages. And if you just go to one area and you just base 
you know, your opinion on just that one area or just the resort, you're just missing out on so much knowledge, so much different types of food. <laughs> I love to eat. I'm a foodie. You know, that's a goal to eat my way around the world, finding delicious plant-based foods. So, you know, you miss so much because each region, I mean, like, I said, in the U.S., there's different types of food. Like, I'm from Chicago. There's Chicago-style hot dog. And there's, you know, the Chicago um, deep dish pizza. And so each region um, in the world, <laughs> each country has a variety based on the different people, different groups, different, yeah, cultures. So. so what's it like traveling with such a large family? I mean, how do we navigate this and then to do it you seem to go quite frequently, or do you have a travel schedule set for the year? So um, with COVID, <laughs> with those things changed, um, we did have like a set schedule, but now the way we schedule is more like a month in advance because things keep on changing. So um, things are starting to open up now. So, which is great. So pretty soon we'll be able to like start planning six months in advance. But right now it's just like, um, we just planned all our trips for April and May. So we have five more trips that we have planned for April and May, and then I'll start planning for June, July, <laughs> whatever. But then now that I know things are opening up, I'll start planning for September and October also. So, but yeah, typically before we would plan kind of in advance, um, usually it would be around um, 60 days in advance because a lot of times we're able to find great deals um, at the last minute. So it's just like, um, depending on the season, you can find really great deals um, within the next 45 days or like six months in advance. You know, those tend to be like, the good windows for me to travel, like last minute getaways and further out. So with six kids, a husband, and really all that planning, do you ever find time for yourself and self-care? Is that even something that is important to you? Absolutely. I do self-care every day, like every day, uh, 365 days a year. So when um, the first Part of my day is I meditate. I do, you know, visualizations of how I see my day um, or other plans that I have in place. I do um, affirmations. I get into a deep appreciation for the amazing blessings that I have in my life that surround me. And it's just like what you appreciate, appreciates just like your house, you know, increases in value. So the things that you really cherish and appreciate, it just grows. Um, also, I read every day, I exercise, um, I work on my Spanish, <laughs> my time. So I do those things every day and then it's part of my self-care and that's very, very important. And so I do that before I interact with my children, my husband, I have to, you know, and it's really grounding for me. Um, keep on using that word, <laughs> but it really gives me a strong foundation so that I do have the energy to pour into my business, to pour into my, you know, the families I work with, into my husband and my children, you know, so you have to replenish yourself. So I have to do it every day. 
So, and I'm probably in the first one to go to bed every day. <laughs> so, I know it is. I'm the first one to go to bed every day. So, you know, um, so it's important. So, are you getting up earlier to get those things done before the rest of the children have gotten up? No. Well, my children get up pretty early. They wake up um, around 7 a.m. And then um, some of them earlier, like my my son, he plays football right now. Um, well, four of my sons play football in Mexico. So we just got our residency. Our whole family got our Mexican residency completed last week. <laughs> so we're officially residents. Um, and so we're working on creating more resident, um, establishing more residencies, getting more passports, because again, we're about embracing your free, having the freedom to go, you know, where you're treated best. <laughs> so that is one of our coaches sayings, you know, go where you're treated best. And um, so like my one son, he is up and out He's out of the house by 5 a.m. because he goes to a whole another city that's an hour away to play football with the college um, and practice with them every morning. And um, the other children, we typically do our lessons from 7 to 9 a.m. So one of our things is it's like do what you have to do so you can do what you want to do. So do what you have to do so you can do what you want to. So they tend, they're doing their lessons <laughs> and we got to a point where it's pretty much on autopilot while I'm working on my meditation, my reading, my exercises and all of that. Um, and the great thing is like our children love to cook. And so we got them into some culinary classes when they were really young, like at eight, they all start cooking. So we have six cooks <laughs> besides me. Um, and so they take on all the meals. So by the time I finish meditating and doing my work, I, they're bringing breakfast up to me and my husband. So we get breakfast in bed. <laughs> the person, and people are like, it's so hard to have children. I'm like, really? I mean, we get breakfast in bed. I mean, what's so hard about that? But <laughs> so they um, have some amazing skills um, where their schooling is pretty much on autopilot. We have set up the schedule and we have family meetings to check in to make sure that they are, you know, on point and doing what they need to do. Um, but yeah, it's been um, really great. <laughs> Sorry, my husband just lost it. <laughs> so. You did. So let me Can I answer your this. Question? You said you just got your residency okay. in, um, in Mexico, but you're still an American citizen. How does that work? Yeah, so how does that work oh, with the school thing? Because I know some states in America have um, a very strict uh, reporting for your children's education and other states are far less uh, um, in your business. So how is it that you all were able to Absolutely. you know, navigate between <laughs> the two? Because you just also said that your oldest son is playing with college, but she said it's 18, which begs, I have so many questions, which <laughs> begs the question of, is he going to college there or is he, you know, taking his time or, you know, how, there's a lot happening here. There's a lot of moving parts. Yes. <laughs> yes. So the great thing is where um, 
we've always, we, okay, so we have a state that we have um, our business and our homeschooling is based out of. And it's a very homeschooling, world schooling friendly state. So we only homeschool, we only set up residency in states that are like the ones that no reporting, <laughs> that don't, you know, that really kind of stay out of your, your business and allow you the freedom to homeschool the way that you feel is best. Um, in the state that we are currently residents of, they don't even ask you to report, you know, you if you never schooled in that state, you never have to tell them <laughs> that you're a homeschooler, you know, so I love that. Um, and so we have families that have that issue and we really help them with getting the residency in the states that will allow them to world school. So, because that is a thing, but yeah, we, we don't have any of those issues, which is good. As in for my son, he, because his birthday's in September, he's like technically a senior. And basically he's staying with a college who is recruiting him um, heavily. <laughs> and they already offered him a scholarship and all of that great stuff. Um, but right now he's just training um, with them. Right now though, his focus is working and building the business with his father. So he's really into real estate investing and we've been um, providing, he's been in taking various coaching programs in regards to that. Um, and he's also been training in different um, stock options and investing. So that's where his focus is now. So we'll see um, in the future. But um, the great thing about our state, which um, is great. So the state that we have residency in, they have dual enrollment. So our children starting at like 13, 14, they can get free college education if that's the choice. So we also, the families we work with who want their children to go to college, you know, we help them get, you know, find a program where even if they want to take the other high school students to take um, college students and have a degree by the time they finish high school, that's very doable. So, and the great thing about COVID, there's so many online classes and programs now. <laughs> so it's not an issue for world schoolers. You know, if you want to get a college education and travel the world, guess what? You can. So that's great. And then also there's like programs like in Germany, like in Germany, anyone can get a free college education in Germany, which is great. <laughs> so there's different, you know, um, options for, I think it's Germany, but yeah. So there's different um, options for um, families who choose to world school in various ways. And again, there's a variety of different world schoolers. So there's world schoolers, again, that you can start off world schooling in your community. You know, again, it is using the world as your classroom. So what is your world? It can be, you know, gardening and like urban farming. Like our children were doing that. And that was part of their world schooling experience. Um, it can be, you know, working with animals and volunteering. It's just like being out there and experience the world. Like world schooling is very experiential. Um, so, and then, you know, we started off, you know, world schooling part-time where we were traveling up to six months a year. Now we're traveling, you know, 12 months a year. So 
so we're out of the U.S. and traveling to different places. Um, but again, that took us, we started world schooling officially in 2008. We didn't go into full-time world schooling into 2016. So it was eight years of like building it up, you know, and gathering tons of travel hacks where it allowed us to travel very, 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 very poorly. <laughs> so, um, and also to reduce our income drastically. So that's another thing that we help families with, you know, budgeting, because I don't care if your budget for traveling is $100 a month or $10,000 a month, you know, you can world school and we can help you do that. So we just help families do that. Um, again, with the budget and also tons and tons of affordable and safe. Well, that's amazing. Products. I have to get to this question because I intend on getting more global myself. I want to so bad. So I want to know what is your most memorable location to visit? And is there anything in particular that really stood out for you that you want to share? Give us some tips on where we need to go next. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. To be honest, I don't have a specific most memorable place. Our most memorable place is usually where we are, <laughs> where we last traveled to. So like we just traveled to Belize. So that's all my children are talking about. Like literally took them grocery shopping today and they're just like, we want to move to Belize. When can we move to Belize? How can we go? <laughs> so I'm like researching currently, you know, what are the residency requirements? What are, you know, um, to get, uh, permanent residencies, the different options, what their passport is like, how to get citizenship. And so, um, and I told the children, like, we have a lot more places to visit. So let's, you know, keep visiting places. And there might be places that you can talk, but it also starts great um, conversations. And, you know, when it comes to world schooling, it's not just the children that are learning, I'm learning. So, um, when it comes to, I didn't answer your question you <laughs> before about the residency and citizenship. So yes, we're still U.S. citizens, but we have, um, a, you can be also a resident of Mexico and Mexico also allows um, dual citizenship. So um, usually the process is that you can get your one year um, temporary residency, then you can get four-year temporary residency, and then after that, you can move to permanent residency, and then once you hit five years, okay, <laughs> so um, I was saying that when it comes to um, the Mexican passport is a very strong passport that can travel to like over a hundred countries. Now it can't necessarily go to the U.S. without a visa, but go to Canada, all Europe, a lot of African countries, South American, Central American, Caribbean islands without a visa. So it's really, really powerful. So those are things that we're looking at um, having various residencies and passports. So we have the freedom to travel to, you know, countries when, um, who knows what's gonna happen <laughs> in the future. After 2020, I'm like, oh, I need to be prepared. <laughs> so we're working on that. So um, yeah, I love that. So when it comes to places I love, 
pretty much everywhere I go is memorable um, for different reasons. I love every place that we've traveled to for different reasons. And it's like, we really focus on being present. So again, the place that we last visited is always probably the most memorable until we go to the next place. <laughs> so do you know how many places you visited? So again, we did our 50 country tour and then we're on our 100 country tour. And we have, we, again, we just started. So it's just eight countries that we've done. And so now it is growing. Now that things are opening, we'll be hitting a lot more countries in the next uh, couple of years. So the goal is by the time this year ends, we have visited 20 countries and then hitting like 10 to 15 countries each year. I know that sounds so exciting to our listeners who are listening in to the podcast. I know I am super intrigued and I definitely think it's something that is doable and affordable. And I didn't always think that. Um, I'm wondering if people are listening to you and they are as intrigued as we are and they want to learn more. They want to make world schooling something that they and their family enjoy. How can they connect with you? Absolutely. So I have a free masterclass at www.embraceyourfree.com. And so I walk you through the steps how our family is able to create the income as we travel and how you can too, how we're able to travel affordably, even with free food and housing. And then also we show you how we're able to travel and homeschool our children without the stress, without the frustration. And again, most importantly, we teach you how you can too. So you can join us at that masterclass at www.embraceyourfree.com. Also, I have a success guide to world schooling. So if you would like that, I'll be getting that um, completed um, this week. So just email me at Sakile, which is S-A-K-I-L-E. Again, S-A-K-I-L-E at embraceyourfree.com. Again, Sakile at embraceyourfree.com and just say, I want the success guide and I will get that out to you. To world <laughs> That's amazing. We will definitely put those links into the show notes so that you all can access them quickly and easily and get that information because who doesn't want to get up out of here? <laughs> right. It's Indeed. a big world for us to see. It's our world. <laughs> and it's amazing. You know, everywhere we go, we're able to see where our ancestors have left their the society and the culture wherever we go and it's really beautiful I did that the second president of Mexico was an African-American man I mean African African Mexican man and so you know it's just like our history is so rich and so powerful and I love going to places to be able to see it and you know it really gives our children a sense of pride in who they are and where they came from and the the ancestors have had in the world which has been really powerful and beautiful even though a lot of times we don't see it 
unless we go there and actually experience it and you see the statues and you see, you know, the people and you're like, oh, these are not the people I see on television. <laughs> Why do these people look like me, you know? So it's, so it has been a true joy listening to Sakile tell us about her world schooling journey. I know that all of you are super excited about learning more about her experiences. She has shared her website, embraceyourfree.com. Definitely go to embraceyourfree.com. On her site, you can see um, other social media platforms that her and her family are on and you can connect with her definitely get that success guide to world schooling and we encourage you to connect to learn to explore and do all of those things with your children so we hope to have Sakile on our podcast again and we are just so grateful that she joined us today and we will definitely have her back. So thanks for tuning in to the Cleverly Changing Podcast. Did you know that we sell merchandise to keep our podcast going? Order a hoodie, t-shirt, mugs, and more today. Visit cleverlychanging.com and click on the shop tab to place your order.